Welcome to your journey to greatness through routine, a podcast designed to help you build a success routine. My name is Michelle Steffes and I'm author of the book and I'm excited to come to you today with more insights and ideas to accomplish your success routine because it's not the big things we do, but the little things we do every day that make the biggest difference. So let's get on with the podcast. Welcome back to this series on the power and science of words. We have covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. And I want to encourage you to go back, especially if you're just now joining us, to go back and listen from the very beginning. Uh, But we did lay, as usual, some great groundwork in discussing uh, not only some really sombering thoughts about how words can be so destructive in words we speak to ourselves, but also, or in inside of ourselves, but also the words we speak to our children, or the people that we care about, and how much damage it can be done. And I laid out several foundations with um, scientists and uh, psychologists and people who work with children on a consistent basis, and even some great stories for you that back up the power words. And of course, a Japanese scientist and water researcher who was Dr. Masaru Emoto. And uh, we talked about that as well. That's something I would encourage you to actually look up on the internet so you can visually see the research that he did. Again, it's Dr. Emoto, E-M-O-T-O, if you want to look that up. I think you might be fascinated by that. Um, And then yesterday we also talked about uh, a lot of information out of psychology today with several studies that have been released in regards to words and how powerful they can be. So to discover just how deeply words can influence perception, Lupien and Ward, who are the two we've been referring to, used a technique called continuous flash suppression to literally make objects invisible for a group of volunteers. In the study, participants were shown a picture of a familiar object, such as a chair, pumpkin, kangaroo, in one eye. At the same time, their other eye saw a series of flashing, squiggly lines. Essentially, it's visual noise, Lupian says. Because the noise patterns are high contrast and consistently moving, they dominate, and the input from the other eye is suppressed. Then researchers asked the participants to indicate whether they saw something or not. When the word they heard matched the object that was being wiped out by the visual noise, the subjects were more likely to report that they did indeed see something than in cases where the wrong word or no word at all was paired with the image. Interesting. Unless they can tell us they saw it, there's nothing to suggest that the brain was taking it in at all, Lupian says. If language affects performance on a test like this, it indicates that language is influencing vision at a pretty early stage. It's getting really deep into the visual system. The study demonstrates a deeper connection between language and simple sensory perception than previously thought, and one that makes Lupian wonder about the extent of language's power. The influence of language may extend to other senses as well. A lot of previous work has focused on vision, and we've neglected to examine the role of knowledge and expectations on other modulites, especially smell and taste, Lupian says. What I want to see is whether we can really alter threshold abilities. Does expecting a particular taste, for example, allow you to detect a substance 
at a lower concentration. As an athlete, uh, it's, it's always been smells that create an optimistic mindset. As sophomoric as it may sound, the smell of sunscreen always reminds of clear blue skies and summertime and feeling happy. This mindset translates into optimal performance. So creating a full uh, gamut of essential oils and various colognes and each encoded with positive associations uh, while training and competing, like a remembrance of things of the past, even on cold and rainy days, these smells literally take a mind back to a place that maybe was linked to positive implicit memories and allow a a declarative mind to see the bright side, even on the bleakest days. So this would be called bottom-up processing. Now, this is all according to Lupian. Okay, so here's another uh, study that was released on August 26, 2013. Researchers discovered a potential reason why some people seem to dislike everything while others seem to like everything okay so really we're getting to the bottom of why haters hate ever wonder that i mean i know um you know from my own studies that i I get it you know with the neural pathways and we did dive into that a little bit earlier on in the series so i won't go back into that again but uh, it's also a part of our individual personality well and again a personality is developed by what we're exposed to you know, um, the value systems we've been exposed to, peers, teachings, skill sets, uh, household traditions or habits, mindsets, um, you know, entertainment we've been exposed to, education, peers, and so on. But a dimension that researchers have coined dispositional attitude. And this, uh, but, but can this attitude be changed? And I believe the answer is yes, and I agree with Lupian on that study definitely can be changed. I've seen multiple people change their personality even simply by beginning to pour in what they want to become and let go of what they don't want to become. So instead of constantly thinking about the things you don't want to be and beating yourself up for it day and night and telling yourself how horrible you are, we need to change that inner dialogue. Okay, But we also need to change what we filter in. So the theory is that if individuals differ in the general tendency to like or dislike objects and that someone's attitude toward independent objects are accurately or actually related, the researchers found that people with a positive dispositional attitude have a strong tendency to like things, whereas people with a negative dispositional attitude have a strong tendency to dislike things. Well, we're going to have to end it right there. We'll come back where we left off. We are still in this article on psychology today. I think it's been very fascinating. I hope you're enjoying it as well. We have a little bit more information, and uh, we're going to be winding down fairly soon. So this is Michelle Steffes, your journey to greatness, your routine. Thank you for joining. Continue to keep reaching higher. 